That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Hello and welcome to Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and joining me today is my brother and fellow host, Kenny. Hello. Well, first off, we're going to start off with some pertinent information about this episode. We are discussing episode three, Little Lost Lamb. It aired October 2nd, 1989. It was directed by Kevin Hooks and written by Diane Frovlo. Did you say Little Lost Lamb? Little Lost Lamb. Well, that's that's an interesting title. <laughs> I'm like, did I say it wrong? No, he said it right. I was just, I'm like, in my head, I'm going like, little Bo Peep lost yeah, You yeah. know, I'm like, it's, it's just something. But I think it's appropriate for this story, which you're about to tell us. Tell us the episode summary. Well, the episode summary is Sykes and George try to save Tectonese prostitute Mary Shelley, but she is killed by Dorian Gray, a henchman of the girl's pimp. Looking into her past, the intrepid cops trace both Mary and Dorian to a talent agency operated by newcomer Charlotte Bronte, who turns out to be an overseer, still controlling her former slaves, this time making them prostitutes, and making a hefty living for herself on Earth. A subplot involves George's Uncle Mudry, I love Uncle Mudry, I'm just telling you, <laughs> and the man's devotion to Tectonese religion, touching the soul of Buck, who comes forward to police and confesses to the accidental shooting of a black gang member, which occurred in the pilot episode. Yeah, I'm glad they brought that back. Yes, it ties it together finally at yeah. the very end. Yeah. You are going to have to get rid of your pets before the neighbors complain. They're not as pets, they're as companions. There are two pounds of gopher in the refrigerator. Anybody seen it? Uh, vegetables are pure. Meat pollutes. They should be kept separate. We're keeping them in the closet next to the washing machine. No, we are not. <laughs> this is my house and I say where things go. What do you mean this is your house? All right, for today's cast, we had Terry Trejas, who played Kathy Frankel. We have Sean Six, who plays Buck Francisco. Eric Pierpoint, who plays Detective George Francisco. Ron Fazler as Captain Byron Grazer. And Lawrence Hilton Jacobs as Sergeant Dobbs. James Green as Uncle Moodry. Look at you, got his name. <laughs> I love Uncle Moodry. Gary Graham as Detective Matt Sykes. Michelle Scarabelli as Susan Francisco. And Lauren Woodland as Emily Francisco. And now on with the guest cast. We have Kimberly Cates as Dallas. Shannon Wilcox as Charlotte Bronte. Will Bledsoe as Dorian Gray. Well, I wonder if he's related to... Uh, Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe, the football he, he was player. He was really big, too. I'm like... It's possible. Yeah. But mm. the hair, they didn't match. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Will has a little bit more spots right. than uh, Drew. <laughs> Uh, we have Catherine Lansing. She's the receptionist. And Robert Maniardi as Harry Marcus. We have Noon Arsanti as Savabo. Well done. William Wellman Jr. as Rudy. Heather McAdams as the wonderful Mary Shelley. And Trevor Edmund as Blintu. Okay, here's a towel and some soap. Guess you don't need any aftershave. <laughs> Shower's in there. Oh, wait a minute. What are we going to put you in? Hi, Kathy. Uh, look, you have an old dress that you don't wear anymore? Oh, it's for her. Ah. Uh, Kathy, this is Mary. Mary, Kathy. I'll 
check. All right, so we're going to go ahead and discuss this episode, give you a little bit of our thoughts. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. A lot of fun, very touching, um, some big character moments for, especially two of the characters, for uh, Matt Sykes and for Buck Francisco. I think those two really had giant you know, character development and just realizing who they are and what they are, fleshing out their characters better. Well, absolutely, because the prior episodes, you see Matt as he was a... I want to say a, a hard nose towards the newcomers, not yeah. really liking them. Not at racist, all. but no, but you know, not... he pushed, he's right on the, the fine line, yeah, yeah. you know. And this episode, you see a lot of compassion for newcomers on his part. Yeah, yeah. Well, also the fact that he's dealing with a sixteen-year-old prostitute, new uh, newcomer, Mary Shelley, and it just reminds him of his own daughter, who he misses. Correct. So you have that aspect of it that he, you know, because at first he's like, you know, she's a prostitute. Let's let's leave. Now you get that money back, or you're dead. Hey, hey Scott! Scott! You all right? You okay? It's all right. It's all right. We're police. Easy, easy, easy. He had salt water. He was gonna burn me. Okay. Do you know that man? No. I lost him. He's gonna come back. He's gonna kill me. You don't know him, but you know he's going to come back. What's your name? Mary. Mary Shelley. Mary. Do your parents know you're out working the streets? Working the streets? What are you talking about? Come on. What do you mean? She's a hooker, George. That guy was her pimp. A prostitute? I can't believe that. She is tanked to knees. You've seen newcomer hookers before. Come on. Wait. Is it true? Are you a prostitute? Satisfied? Mary, where do your parents live? My parents? A place called San Diego. It is not safe on the streets. I want you to go home to your parents. Do you have bus fare? Mary, I am going to give you $50 to buy a bus ticket back home to your parents. Very smart, George. Giving a hooker money. That's very smart. Yeah, they want to put her to the juvenile detention, yeah. or not detention center, but just a, yeah. a juvenile center. Put her into the system. Right. Yeah, and, you know, and, you know, and, and Matt is not forced, but he's... He's reluctant at first he, to, to, to take her in. Correct. You know, and George is like, you know, she really won't work. It, the system doesn't work for her, and she needs to be taken care of and put on a bus to her family. Matt, I want you to take her home, clean her up, and put her on that bus. What the hell are you talking she about? She function by herself. All her life she has been controlled by someone. They Klisan Sung, the overseers on our slave ship. And now her pimp. She's unable to think for herself. We can't leave her out here. Then we'll take her to Juvie Hall. She is helpless. You know what they would do to her there? Well, then you take her home. I would, but I... Uh, my kids, my uncle, uh, his goat, I... You live five minutes from the bus Look, station. George, we're police. We're not social workers. Matt, you have a daughter her age. Would you want her to go to Juvenile Hall? Uh, All right, I suppose Susan will have to understand. Okay, okay, I'll take her. And then we find out she doesn't have a family. Yeah, yeah. yeah after Matt goes through all that stuff, uh, she winds up on his doorstep, and he takes her in. Mary, what are you... Why aren't you... Come on. He's already seeing her as his daughter. He's attached. Yeah, instantly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know... And then they have the cute scene with, uh, with you know, making breakfast. 
And he gives her peanuts because he doesn't like have coffee. Because he's, he's like, like, oh, you're too young for coffee. He's a single guy and he yeah. doesn't really have food there. So he yeah. says, I like peanuts. So <laughs> he bonded with her right away. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a very, very, uh, very cute scene. It was really good. Is it time to go? You need some breakfast. <laughs> I live by myself. I don't have a lot on hand. You want some peanuts? I got some instant coffee, maybe you're too young. Peanuts are fine, I like peanuts. Well, I like, uh, let's go with Uncle Mudri. Mudri, yes. Yeah, see, Uncle Mudri. He was uh, big in this episode. Big time, and, and he's real, I was talking to my brother about this, he's real knowledgeable about the Tectonese life and the religion, just the spirituality. Yeah. Well, because he wasn't born on the ship, he was actually born on Tankton. Right, and he was explaining to Buck about, you know, the marvels of it, yeah, the yeah, colors. Yeah. and What it looked like. It was a place like this on our planet. I was a little boy. My father took me there. Well, what was it like? Our home. Blue. The deepest and most peaceful blue. A silver mist. Meadows full of a thousand stars. Because very few of the Tintanese actually were born you know, on Tankton. Right. Most of them were, were born on the ship. On the ships. And that brings me to another point. The overseers. Oh, yeah. You finally... We get some a glimpse. overseer yeah. stuff in this episode, too. Not to the very end, because you're really not sure what the deal is until George is about to uh, handcuff uh, Charlotte, right. uh, the, the madam, and he sees the tattoo. Take innocence. You sell it, and you destroy it. She has the tattoo. She is Klisan Swan, an overseer, one of those who kept us slaves on the ship. Don't worry about it, George. She's in for life. And that don't begin to pay the bill. Yeah, because she has it covered by a bracelet. Yeah, it's very well concealed most of the time. And what this comes back to, too, in the beginning of the show, as you were saying about... Um, they're being controlled, and, and, and George is going, I remember something like this. You know, there's something like this on the ship. Yeah. You know, and, and it, and it kind of, you can see in his, his thought process, like, this is familiar, you know, they're, they're really easily controlled, and, and you come to find out it is an overseer that's controlling Yeah, them. that is controlling him still. But um, let's get back on the Buck story, because we finally got a resolution to him shooting the gang member. Yeah, flashback. In yeah, the pilot. I'm glad episode. they didn't draw it out for like you know twelve episodes. But it's glad. I'm glad they did draw it out for a few because oh it, yeah, a lot of TV shows nowadays it's one episode done. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to actually, you know, but they all tie in. Few. Yeah, because when we saw a little bit in episode two, right. when uh, Buck was having those flashbacks of shooting the kid, um, but this this was a nice. It was actually like a, a C story, or I guess a, a B story to it, really. Yeah, there when was actually two Dobbs looking for the the shooter. Oh, yeah, and he was praising, I'm going to be lieutenant once I get this guy, you know, <laughs> and you find out it's Buck. Yeah, well, I still think it was funny that, that, that Grazer, you know, George stepped up and said, because I'm a newcomer, I should be in charge of this because we're looking for a newcomer. It's not going to show bias to It's not going to show bias. Yeah, I can show that I can do my work, you know, my job, I'm good. And then Grazer says, that's great, but no, it's going to Dobbs, who's a black man, and the victim was a black man also. So I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess you don't want George to be the one finding out that his kid is, 
you know. Is the shooter. Is the shooter. Case of William Campbell, shot and critically wounded in what appears to be a gang-related incident. This case is a political hot potato. Campbell's black, and his assailant is a newcomer. And I've got to assign detectives to the case. The choice is simple, Captain. I should be assigned the case to demonstrate that I am not biased by my species, and to also demonstrate that the department serves the entire community, that it is, in the largest sense, truly colorblind. That's sweet, George, but naive. Dobbs, the case is yours. This is a priority investigation. If Dobbs needs any help, you're at his disposal. Yeah, when also, um, with Buck is there talking to his friends, and he's trying to tell them of Mudri. Oh, yeah. You know, um, hey, you know, he understands it. He gets it. Yeah. And he's trying to tell his friends, and his friends are like, oh, I'm bored with that. I don't want to hear that. So it's like they're not really your friends. You yeah. know, you are hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yep. You know, and Mudri asks him to go to this place, and Buck's kind of reluctant to go at first because we've come to find out it's the, it's the ocean. It's the ocean. Which, uh, we, as we know, salt water is uh, deadly to them. Correct. And or so we think. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. So we think. Yeah. So um, you can see Buck, as my brother was saying, it's it's a enlightening for him. He's uh, yeah. He's kind of turning over. He's finally this, realizing his place in that planet Earth world. is his home. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I belong or who I am. With each breath, you join this Earth. Saying I belong here. I hate this world. All worlds are stardust. This world, our world, we are stardust, scattered, drifting, yet united by one voice. The voice that tells the leaves to turn to the light, the flowers to bloom. It speaks to you, too. I don't hear it. I know. You carry a wound, and until that wound is cleansed, you will not be able to hear the voice. And Uncle Mudri just leads in there. Absolutely, he just, he's a lot. He is a lost lamb, and he uh, shows him the way. And and uh, the one of my favorite scenes is when they're at the beach and they're sitting at the rocks. And Uncle Mudri says, "You know," or Buck says, "Where do we go from here?" And and Uncle Mudri says, "We go on." And he goes, "No, uh, <laughs> that water will kill us." And he's like, "I don't think so." And he just kind of walks out, and the water rushes over him. I mean, really rushes over him, and. Nothing. Nothing happened. Willis. How? I am part of it. It is part of me. Come, Phoenixa. Believe that, and the water can't hurt you. I'm not you, Uncle. I don't have your faith. There's no shame in that. Shame is for those who remain blind to themselves. So, I mean, they don't really, they explain, they, they explain but don't explain. My brother has a good explanation, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like mind over matter, it's spirituality, it's, you believe that it's not going to hurt you, it's not going to hurt, not you. Gonna hurt you. He, you know, Mudri says he becomes one with the water, he becomes one with it. But you also, you, you go back to the scene in the house where um, Emily comes in mm-hmm. and says, hey, uh, Buck, Mom, and then Mudri oh. goes, wants you to go yes. to the store, and, and Buck's, Emily's like, how'd you know that? Yeah. Buck, Mom wants you. She needs you to go to the store. How'd you know? Yeah. So we are coming to find out Mudri is the little He's, special power. He has something. Yeah. There's something about him because again, as you brought up, 
when they're at the beach. He says there's people who love you, and he looks up on the hilltop, and there's no one there. Nope. Buck looks, no one's there. They look back at each other, they look again, and George comes walking up. So, I mean, he just kind of, he has instincts, or he's just very tuned in to the spirituality. And I guess faith. Right, it is. I and mean, he has real hard. And I faith. think, I mean, I think it's from him being born on the homeworld. That yes, the, the planet, not yes. on the ship. Yeah, and you also brought up the fact that maybe that's why he can touch water, is because he is from the home planet, not born on the ship. Maybe some physiological reason that the salt water will not affect him is because he was, you, you know, know pe- planet born. People evolve, you yeah. know, and, and you know things. And on the ship, the there was no oceans, no waters, nothing. So you know, who's to say? You know, they never explain it throughout the series. We never know why he can do it. We're speculating. <laughs> yeah, well, this is totally speculation. <laughs> but um, I think it's good speculation. Oh, I love it. This is yeah. great. I mean, we know it has something to do with faith and just willing himself not to be hurt by the water. And he wasn't hurt. And give us your guys' input on this. Oh, know? definitely. Yeah, definitely. If this you, is uh, a topic that I would like uh, multiple, you know, just tell us what you think. Yeah, you know? definitely. If you've seen this episode... Try to tell us, and we'll, you know, maybe on the yeah, next episode. Yeah, if you have a, episode, diff- a different we'll... theory, or if you agree with our theories, definitely let us let know. Let us know. Yeah. That was definitely one of my favorite storylines. Oh, it was, was great. the Buck and Mudry storyline this episode. I thought you liked the prostitute episode, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good story. That was, because I, uh, that was Matt, Matt's story, Matt with the prostitutes. And, and that goes to another point of mine where the human trait is bringing bad influence to the newcomers. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because we always hear, especially the the purists, which are the bad guys. Or not, I, know, I keep calling them bad guys. They're you do. Just, I know. And they're, they're not, not bad. They're not bad. They're just misguided. Scared. Um, <laughs> but they're always saying how the Tankinese are ruining our culture and ruining us and, you know, contaminating the humanity. But as Michael said, it's the other way around. I mean, they, they may be, you know, to some point, to some degree, right? But we are destroying their culture. Yeah, prostitution. They never knew. They what know. That was. They don't know they what don't prostitution know is. No. no, you know, and they don't know about drugs, and they don't know about just the pleasures of life. You know, they they mate. They are, you know, their companionship is not sexual sexually based. Right. They don't get together just to have sex and to have kill, you know children. Correct. They're together for life just because they need that companionship and also i mean i I don't know how much you could do in a slave ship either (laughs) well that's true i mean but uh yeah that's more you know the human element is is definitely huge to the newcomers is where we are bringing just just bad to them yeah you know it's just bad we're introducing them to really bad human traits right and um and that's what this story really shows i think that's what the what the writers really wanted to convey was that you know the tables can just like we mentioned in I think a previous previous episode where you know we say the aliens are being or we say the humans are being kind of uh, you know segregating the alien the aliens but then when we were at the hospital scene we found a youthful episode yeah yes. we found out that you know the aliens are segregating the humans also so I mean it's it goes both ways so it's nice yeah. to, cool, it's cool to see both sides of the story it's not just you know, the humans being bad to the aliens, the humans being bad to the aliens, or the aliens being bad to the humans. And that's why I love this show. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, what else about this episode? Did we cover everything? No. Um, you also find out, I don't know if this episode or – my brother and I touched base a little bit that there are a quarter million aliens. Oh, that's right. And there is one overseer per 10,000 newcomers. So yeah. you have 25 overseers. We just locked one up, so we have 24 left. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is all speculation. Yeah. We do we do know that they did say that it was one per ten thousand. So we're assuming if we just assume if all them survived, you got twenty five <laughs> overseers. Yeah, um, and we do see a few more throughout the series too. Yes, a few more overseers. Yeah, you do. And then back to the the buck scene. Um, he finally. You can see he has peace with himself because oh, he, yeah. he he tells his father before they have yes, a chance. I'm glad you brought that up because they they find out that Buck is they they arrest one of his friends or so called gang member friends, right? And he obviously rats out Buck. Campbell says Suavos is not the slag who shot him. Now we get Suavos to finger the guy, and I'm going to make the collar of my lifetime. I mean, every reporter within a hundred miles is going to be there watching me play Dick Tracy. <laughs> you see if I don't make lieutenant. You're in deep, kid. Look, I didn't do it. It wasn't me, man. Who? Who was it that shot Campbell? And yeah, then, because they, he got burned yes, with the got, water and they found... They found some of the skin. Right. So they're all, they were all, uh, I guess, uh, DNA'd when they were brought in mm-hmm. to L.A. But, um, yeah, the, the point you're, you were saying was that... Dobbs was a, he was great, and he went up to George and told him, you know, your son, the guy says that your, your son did a shooter. it. We got to bring him in, and George is like, you know, I mean, so much emotion on his face when he's, he's his whole world falling like, apart. Let me bring him in. He asked, yes, can I bring him in? And Dobbs says, sure, which is really good because he didn't have to at all. He could have just went out and arrested him, him and brought him here. Yeah, but George, we got some bad news. The kid we arrested, he identified the newcomer who shot Campbell. It's your son. My son. Buck. I'm sorry, man. It's a mistake. We gotta bring him in. I'm really sorry, man. Wait. Let me. Sure. So, but but like Michael was saying, when George gets there to the beach where Mujeri and Buck are, Buck automatically goes to his dad and confesses everything and says he did something terrible and he's going to go to the police. police. He doesn't know. His dad never says anything, not a word. So he confessed before he was arrested. Dad, I've done a horrible thing. I have to go to the police. So I guess you're going to see a new leaf and buck. That's, yes. It seems like you're going yeah. to see that. Well, at the end, they have a little voiceover that says, The state finds compelling evidence that the shooting of William Campbell was an act of self-defense. Yet I cannot absolve Buck Francisco from all culpability. The sentence is as follows. Two years in a correctional institution. Suspended. Buck Francisco is remanded to the custody of his parents and placed on probation for three years. Any infraction of the rules of that probation and he will immediately serve his full sentence. This hearing is adjourned. Honestly, he can't do anything bad, but you also see a new... A new buck, buck. right. Yeah, he definitely changes, and then we'll see something different, hopefully in episode four, but... um, You never know. (laughs) But definitely, definitely 
this is a favorite episode of mine. But okay. I can say that with every episode. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, because the Fountain Youth, the last episode, I didn't like that episode at the very end. Oh, yeah, it was actually a pretty good episode. It's my, one of my favorites. I say that with all of them. You're going to find out all these episodes are my favorite. I do have one <laughs> ultimate favorite, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. And there's a reason for it. But don't hold. It's just, they're just so good. They're just so much fun to watch. And no, they really are. When, <laughs> when you watch them, you're going... I love this show. You yeah, know, you really do. You just yeah. go, I love this show. Yeah. This is why I loved it back then, and it still holds up 20-something years later. Let's not go back to age again. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it does. It, it holds up quite well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed this series. and Definitely, definitely. Okay, there's just a few more things I wanted to bring up real quick. Uh, I loved Uncle Mujri's feng shui. Well, they don't call it feng shui, but he's moving the couch around when George walks in. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you know, this needs to be facing some planet. Some planetorial thing, right? Yeah. That was, I mean, that- Stop. We are having a party tonight. What are you doing? Uh, the reclining platform should face southeast toward the galaxy Centaurus. The reclining platform should face that wall toward the fireplace. Your house is in disorder. I am come to make it right. That, that's in, in essence, it's feng shui, where things seem to be facing certain ways to let the energy flow in the house. So it's definitely an Eastern thoughts. spiritual again. Yeah, back to definitely, that. Definitely spiritual. Very Eastern. I, I liked thoughts. his Raiders shirt though. <laughs> <laughs> he has like a skirt, a Raider shirt, and yeah. a bunch and of a bunch of beads, beads. And, and shells and stuff. Uncle Mudre. I got. <laughs> he's say. definitely a modern day hippie. Very unique, right? Yeah, he's definitely a modern day hippie. Which is nothing wrong with that. No, of course not. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the movie Alien Heart. <laughs> yeah, which is you know the first real movie that portrays Tintinese. There's a leading role with for yeah. an an actor of of, of uh, yeah Tang Denise. yeah yeah so yeah so um uh, I just thought it was kind of cool and well know. George asked Matt to watch it and Matt goes yeah I watched half of it and then you know and then he confesses that he didn't watch that it at it was all. boring yeah so he didn't watch it tell me what did you think of Alien Heart huh that tape I loaned you it's oh. the first movie in which newcomers are given meaningful roles well I only had a chance to watch half. Uh, my aunt called from Phoenix. Uh, do me a favor. Put those shoes back on. We'll look at your movies. Sex Team, Kittens in Heat. Your culture puts a very high priority on the physical. Uh, name one that doesn't. In ours, there's more integration with the mental than the spiritual. A strictly physical relationship is foreign to us. No male would want it. No female would accept it. I thought Alien Heart expressed this well. George, you want to know the truth? Alien Heart is a bore. A bore? A bore. That's why I didn't watch it. Alien Heart? Yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt is boring. Is that the one that kind of looks like a chipmunk? She is beautiful (laughs) and brilliant. She'll be the first newcomer to win the Academy Award. You'll see. And then young Mary Shelley that Matt takes in. Yeah. Um... Oh my gosh, you have Alien Heart? I want to watch it. And he's like, (laughs) okay, you know? Here. You can watch Alien Heart while I'm gone. Alien Heart? Can you put it in? I want to see it. Well, then you also have Emily, who keeps referencing to that movie and to the the main actress, who we will talk about in another section. Matt! Matt, guess what? I got a part in the school play! Emily's doing Pocahontas in the school play. Hey, that's great! Yeah. Um, Did you see Eleanor Roosevelt in Alien Heart? I'm going to be just like yeah, she keeps saying, I want to be here, I want to be here. And she actually uh, portrays Pocahontas in her local school play. Great Chief Powhatan, I beseech you. No father has shown his daughter more love. No daughter has ever been happier. Who hath fed me, taught me, and protected me. 
It is you who gave me eyes to see the good in this world, to know the pure heart from the evil. Father, look into this man's heart and see the goodness there. Oh, great Father Powhat, you right? hear your daughter's cry. Spare the life of Captain John Smith. Which is a well, you character. can't make a flavor hair. Well, because they don't have like, hair. They don't have hair, so, so it kind of looks funny. It's she a headband like a, with two. With like, uh, th- uh, what is that? Thread. Really yeah. thick thread for her, for her hair. Pigtails. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah. It was very cute. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, and then the, the other thing I want to talk about I thought was funny was the dinner scene. So, Matt, did Mary make it on the bus all right? Yeah. Just hope her family takes her back. Why wouldn't they? Well, uh, Mary's been in a little bit of trouble. It's all right. In this house, sex is discussed openly. Mary is a prostitute. Uh, What's a prostitute? This broccoli is delicious. That's someone who has sexual relations for money. I thought that was a gift you gave somebody when you loved them. Well, I know it's confusing, Emily. Well, Matthew's been with a prostitute. Perhaps he can explain. (laughs) Um, well, as I told George, uh, your father, um, this uh, particular incident happened when I was quite young. This girl told me uh, her mother was very, very sick, and I gave her some money. That's all. Yeah, that that was kind of funny, and Matt's <laughs> so like, oh. uncomfortable, and and everybody's looking at him, and Matt's like, well, it was a long time ago, and <laughs> she uh, needed money for school or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. It was it was it hilarious. was it was very funny, and then of course you have Emily there, and she's so sweet and innocent, and she's like, well, I, I don't want to be a prostitute. I want to be an actress. <laughs> Because she doesn't know any better. <laughs> they don't know because prostitution is not part of their culture. Yeah, it's foreign to them. And she had no idea what it was. And she's like, eh, that doesn't sound like fun to me. I'll be an you actress. Know? I'll be an actress instead. Which that was that was real cute on Emily's part. It was. That was it was. It was a very, very cool scene. Si, si, lep. Si, desa, yonia, terausterma. Tom Toshni morph si This something new? No, very old. Uncle is a pre-Selenist. His belief is based on the matriarchal system. The goddess Ionia is our mother. The universe is her womb. All things come from the mother. All things return to the mother. As you can see, women play a significant role in this religion. You'd have no trouble converting my ex-wife. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to move on to some behind the scenes. We have a few of them. There was a... Uh... Hard to find some behind-the-scenes stuff for some of these episodes, but I think we got some really cool. And why don't you start with the first one? But you are good at finding behind-the-scenes yes. stuff. You start with the first one. So behind the scenes, we got the the first one I'm going to talk about is the sore feet. Yeah. Remember when they have a cold, they blink. They blink. Yeah. So when they have tension, they have, have sore, sore feet. feet. Yes. So poor George is walking around kind of like aching <laughs> on his feet. Well, it starts off with him in the in the police car with... With Matt, and he's rubbing his feet. And he takes his, in his yeah, face. he's taking his shoes off, and Matt's like, and Matt's like what, are what are you doing? doing? You know, <laughs> he's all, I have tension. Our feet yeah. get sore. What's with the foot? Tension. You get sore necks, we get sore feet. It's my home life. 
Uh, his home life is kind of crazy right now with Moody and his goats and Buck and Emily. Oh, yeah, the, the goats. <laughs> it, that, it, was, it was real funny, though, with the sore feet. I kind of thought, man, here we go again. They're blinking with the eyes, yeah. and now their feet. It shows you how different they are. Yep. Yep, they get sore feet. Yep. Uh, the other piece of behind the scenes that we have is they wanted to examine an innocent in the wild and the idea that these creatures didn't have any idea about prostitution before they came to Los Angeles. Uh, it was all influenced uh, by Earth, which we talked about previously. Yep. So this is based on, uh, I guess that's, I had never seen the, the Emerald Forest, but um, it's based on that kind of alien culture being introduced, something. Now I'm going to have to watch it. Not of their normal, yeah, <laughs> not part of their normal everyday culture. All right, so that's going to do it for our behind the scenes. Like I said, there was a few tidbits there. Hopefully you found those uh, interesting as we did. I never should have taken her in. I should have left her on the streets where she belonged. Matt, I'm going to nail this son of a bitch who killed him. Nail his ass. I don't think we should take this investigation. <laughs> you are emotionally involved. It makes for bad police work. I, too, am horrified by her death, but if taking Mary in was an error in judgment, let's not make another. You didn't come home and find that girl lying dead on your floor. I'm on this case. You don't like it, put in for a new partner. Now we're going to move on to crazy names the newcomers have in this episode. Here we go again. <laughs> Why don't you start the first one? We have Charlotte Bronte. Who was the madam. The madam. The pimp. The pimp, yeah. The overseer. <laughs> yeah, or the overseer. All the above. All the above. Yeah. She, uh, she was an English novelist and poet, the eldest of three Bronte sisters who survived into adulthood, whose novels are English literature standards. She wrote Jane Er under the pen name Carabelle. Next up, we have Dorian Gray. Uh, he is a famous character in Oscar Wilde's novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, because uh, what it is is it's a picture of Dorian Gray, and uh, he doesn't age. The picture ages for him. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not cool know story. that. Yeah. And we have Mary Shelley was an English novelist, short story writer, dramatist, essayist, biographer, and travel writer, best known for her gothic novel, Frankenstein. That's right. She's the writer of Frankenstein. I, now, see, that's kind of <laughs> cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Mary Shelley, that's what, what she's well known for is her Frankenstein novel. What I like about this uh, Charlotte Bronte, go back to her. Yeah. Um, she's a madam or a pimp <laughs> in a TV show, but yet she's a English novelist. I like how they, <laughs> they contra- they, how they have similarities. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very, very, very similar there. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then uh, the other one, uh, this character, we actually don't think we ever see her, but we hear her name constantly because she is the star of Alien Heart, and that's Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes, and for those of you who don't know who Eleanor Roosevelt was, she was the first lady of the United States from 1933 to 1945. She was the wife of Franklin D. Roosevelt, and she was a big advocate of civil rights, so it's kind of appropriate that they use her name as an alien. And that's the one that Emily wanted. wanted yes, to be. that's right. We, we, we referred to that earlier. She wants to be just like Eleanor just Roosevelt. Just like Eleanor Roosevelt. That's right. So, uh, very, very cool stuff there. Hello. I'm Charlotte Bronte. You must be Mr. Long? Yes. How do you do? Mr. Hart? Hi. Refresh my memory, Mr. Long. What was your last picture? Uh, Pocahontas. The uh, love story retold from a Tinktonese point of view. Father, look into this man's heart and see the goodness there. Oh, great father Powhatan, hear thy daughter's cry. 
I don't think I caught it. It's not out yet. Christmas. All right, you can find us all over the interwebs. We have a Facebook page. You can go to www.facebook.com slash Podcast. Or if you can't find us there, go to Twitter at AlienationCast. We also have a main website. It's AlienationPodcast.com. You can see show notes. You can see information about my brother and I. Uh, anything else we want to post, we post there. Yes, you want to know about me. You all do. <laughs> You can also leave us comments and reviews. Please do leave us comments and reviews. Um, email us at alienationpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Anything you want to say to us, if you like the podcast, don't like the podcast, want to go in a different direction, um, want to hear something that we haven't been doing, definitely feel free to email us. Or if you just want to say, great job, we'd like to get those emails too. I like the attaboys. <laughs> attaboys. That's good. I like that. <laughs> we also would love if you can go to iTunes and leave us a review. What With iTunes, when you guys leave us reviews, it throws us into certain charts, like the top 200 podcasts for sci-fi TV shows or, you know, and it just gives us more exposure. Right now, you know, we are a new podcast. This is only our third episode. And uh, we have, a, you know, a decent uh, following with our listeners, but we can definitely, there's a lot, we know there's a lot of alienation fans out there right now. Come on, people. Who have no idea that there's a podcast about Come this on, series. spread the word. So, yeah, so by giving us reviews on iTunes, it definitely throws us in and makes us more visible, and we can just spread more alienation love to uh, all of the wonderful fans. I mean, we know they're out there, and uh, we'd appreciate four or five stars on iTunes would be fantastic. Any help would be great. <laughs> All right, so I think that's going to do it for episode three, Little Lost Lamb. Oh, I love that title again, I tell you. <laughs> Little Lost Lamb, I tell you, just, it's, I love it. I love it. Little Lost Lamb. All right, so uh, we'll be back for episode four. Until next time, this is Kenny. And I'm Michael. Always remember, when drinking sour milk, wait two weeks after expiration. You killed Mary, didn't you? That's right. And I'm going to kill you, too, if you don't learn. Right, that's it. Let's get him. Here's a little reminder. Taste of the Blue Pacific. You're wired. You're dead. Oh, come on, try it. Please. I'm okay. Hi, my name's Kenny, and I'm a fanboy. Do you like Star Trek, Star Wars, Harry Potter? Do you consider yourself a brown coat or a twihard? Are you into cosplaying, LARPing, a furry? Can you speak Klingon or Elvish? Can you name all the doctors and their companions? Do you just love football or can't get enough of your favorite music group? Then this podcast is for you, Confessions of a Fanboy. Each episode, I sit down with a fanboy or fangirl and discuss their fandom and how it affects their daily lives. Be it geeky, sporty, or musical, fandoms can span a wide range of people. So come subscribe to Confessions of a Fanboy on iTunes. Or visit us online at confessionsofafanboypodcast.com and take a listen to fellow fans talk about the love for their fandom. Confessions of a Fanboy. Unlock your inner geek with Geek Therapy, a new web series starring America Young. I need you to make me a geek. Please help me. Let's figure out your GQ, your geek quotient. Can you watch Family Guy and not be confused? It's 30 minutes of a guy fighting a chicken. What's not to understand? 
The point of this is to find a geekier side of you. Yes, of course, I want this. Watch this in its entirety. Watch it until you can quote it. Firefly. That sounds really hot. Do not abuse this power I have given you, or you will find yourself in a special level of hell. Watch Geek Therapy on Comediva.com. That's comedy plus diva. Comediva, where the funny girls are. Hi, I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Wendy Hembrock. And I'm Brent Barrett. And we're the hosts of a new podcast called Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. Where we discuss sci-fi and genre shows currently on television and some from the past. We're fans just like you, so join us in our water cooler and back porch discussions of your favorite shows. And strangely enough, you can find us online at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Be seeing you. Wait a minute, isn't that what Bester says on Babylon 5? Maybe. I never watched Babylon 5. What? So you're a sci-fi geek who missed one of the best shows ever? Hey, hey, no details, no spoilers. I'm still catching up on DVD myself. Besides, we're not really experts or critics. We kind of think of ourselves more like guides or sci-fi Sherpas. I don't carry anyone's luggage, though. Yeah, me either. We're what we like to call the viewer's digest for genre TV. Yes, we're interested in the conversation shows generate. And speaking of sci-fi Sherpas, where would you find one of those? Mmm, Craigslist? Oh... See what I have to deal with? Alien Nation, the newcomer's podcast, is a geeky fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0, United States license, all rights reserved. It was... Looking into her past, the intrepid cops trace... And Robert... We have Noon Arsanti as Svab... They wanted to examine the innocent of the. They wanted to examine the innocent in the wild. They wanted to examine an innocent in the wild and the idea of these creatures. 